so great to have you here and welcome to the Halfway Podcast. Thank you very much, Gonzalo. It's great to be here. Great to be chatting with you. Do you know what the Halfway Podcast is? Tell me. So, you know, for some time I always thought that um, founders or people between the average person and ultra successful founders didn't have a voice and I always find myself related more to these founders as opposed to like you know comparing myself to like the ultra successful like tech founders and whatnot Mm -hmm. and I think that you're definitely one of them so welcome great well thanks very much thank you for having me So where are you from to begin with? Okay, so I'm from the UK, a little uh, town called Chichester on the south coast of England. And I have always been obsessed with music. So from a very young age, when I was two years old, I used to take the cushions off our sofa. I used to put them on the floor and I used to use wooden spoons to hit them. So I was a drummer from the age of two. My parents used to buy me little like disposable drum sets and I'd get through them in six hours. I'd wreck them. And this just continued. So I ended up picking up the guitar, I ended up doing a bit of singing. They saw that I was really interested in it, in okay. music, and they were like, okay, let's let's do what needs to be done to kind of satisfy that, that kind of need to be musical. Yeah, so then basically they saw that you started like playing with these cushions and they're like, why not get Tom an instrument or something like that? Exactly, yeah. So, so that kind of continued and Next thing I know, I'm at university studying drums. Uh, Throughout my teenage years, I also had jobs, working as a DJ, working... I used to run an open mic night. So, yeah, I was really... What's what's an open mic night? I would set up my musical equipment and people would come to a pub and they could play their guitar and sing. And it was like... So anyone can come and play. But hold on. So, like, you... How old were you when, when you had this open mic night, by the way? 16, 17. 16, yeah. okay. And wow, so you basically lost that like fear of the stage and the people at quite an early stage. Yes. Wow. These pubs that I was playing in, they were brutal. They're wow. like grotty, dingy little pubs on the south coast of England. And the, uh, the clientele was pretty rotten. So yeah, I had to deal with a lot of hecklers. And wow. yeah, you just, it, I would say it really helped me get a really thick skin definitely damn and you think that definitely helped to your success uh character building character building whether it helped towards success or not it was it was definitely character building okay yeah Mm. so then you did university in chichester or in london london so london college of music where i studied drums and this introduced me to music technology which is now what my my area of expertise which is I have a company called Mastering the Mix that creates software for music producers. So Mastering the Mix is, is like, it, it, this is your baby. This is the company you uh, that represents you in a way. Yeah. So far, definitely. so far. No, yeah, it, it so does, far. it does. Yeah. It is, I've, I've started a few other businesses that I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but cool. but it's the one that it's, it's my baby, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's very much in line with all the things that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. So, so what does Master in the Mix do? So we create 
software that helps music producers solve the hardest problems that they face when okay. making music in the studio. Do you think that's like music tech to some extent? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. And well, you being very passionate about music, when do you think that like the technology side of things uh, became relevant? Do you For me personally yeah. or do you mean in the industry? In the industry personally, yeah, both. Well, I think like, like that developing software for music. Like, how does someone just like oh, you know, doesn't? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you didn't wake up one day and be like, oh, you know, like this would be great. Or maybe you did. I mean, maybe you saw a gap in the market and you said, actually, this would be a great product to include. So I think technology in the music industry has always been very important from the very start of recorded music, where you could then you know um, capture something artistic and then distribute it as a, as a business okay but from f in my personal life what happened was i was working as a mastering engineer so people would send me their music and i would make it sound as good as possible and get it ready for release okay and when how old were you when you started doing this this was 21 22 21 so you yeah. had already graduated from university yeah okay and i was noticing that a lot of people had the same issues with their mix Okay. And I thought, well, if I could create a piece of software that would help them solve these problems, then that would be super helpful. Yeah. And how did you get these gigs, by the way? Which gigs? The, the, the mastering gigs. So that was a challenge. At first, I couldn't even give away my services for free. Right. So I used to, off, I used to reach out to people, mm -hmm. cold calling, anything I could do, hustling really, to man. try and get, yeah. Christ. Yeah, trying to get people to just work with me for free. So it was wow. a, it was a big struggle to begin with, but overcoming that kind of um, that rejection. Okay, but let me get something right. So you graduated from uni. You had a drumming degree mm -hmm. uh, or a music degree. Okay, and then what, I mean, what, how like what was your primary source of income, dude? At that point, I was DJing. DJing. Okay. So I was I was DJing four nights a week. And uh, just as a session DJ playing yeah. all the local bars and clubs. Okay, cool. So that kept me going because I was able to work on this mastering business during the day, and then I would go and I would go and DJ at night. So it was kind of like mastering was my side hustle, and then I, but I was really passionate about it. So when, so when, so I had this concept for a. So you understood that you needed to make a living somehow. You basically said, okay, here are these like DJing gigs. They'll provide you know, enough money for me to get by, but what I'm really passionate about is mastering. Correct. Mastering music. Yeah. What is mastering music? So uh, when a music producer wants to release a song, there are many stages in the production process from songwriting to arranging to then, you know, getting the correct sounds that you want to then mixing everything together, making it sound good. And mastering is that final process of polishing a final mix so that getting it to the correct loudness, correcting any final imperfections to get it sound as good as it possibly can. I usually see in movies, you know, like that guy in the studio with like the bunch of buttons going up and down. Is that kind of like part of the mastering like situation? Well, he's in a studio which is, you know, more likely what you're looking at is mixing. So they're probably ah, mixing okay. the, um, the levels of the vocals. Oh, and interesting. Kind of stuff. So if I want, you know, like my bass like louder or, you know, more silence, would that be considered mastering? Well, that would be done in the mix itself. Interesting. So okay. in, in the That's mix cool. side of things, you have all the various channels yeah. and you can increase and decrease the volume, uh, introduce processing like equalization, which is where you change the tonal balance of the audio. 
and you can do compression, which is where you reduce the difference between the loud parts and the soft parts. Okay, So there's, there's, there's loads of different processes yeah. that you can do there. But here again, drumming degree and you're DJing, how the hell did you get these mastering gigs? I still don't, like, don't understand. Like, did, did, how, better question, how did you get your first mastering gig? My first, I'll say the first paid mastering gig. The first paid, okay. Yeah, okay. The first unpaid, like how did that happen? Were you like, I mean, you're, 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 you're in this like music community in, in, in uni, right? Mm -hmm. And then through that music community, I would imagine that, you know, that somebody raised their, like, raised their hand and said, oh, you know, like, does anyone know anyone that knows how to master music? Well, it didn't unfold for me like that. Okay. So for me, it was, if I remember correctly, well, I was mastering a lot of my own productions to begin with. So I was I was kind of learning using my own songs. And... So you were producing music? I was producing music. Okay. And I was learning using my own songs. And then I was reaching out to friends to see if anybody needed any kind of help. So I, I think I started off just by helping friends here and there. And then I remember my first paid gig I had gone to a conference. I had flown to Miami from London to go to a conference to meet as many people as possible, give them my my uh, business card, give them a USB with all of my work on it. Yeah. So I was doing. Ev I was literally flying across the world to try and meet people and. Wow. Yeah. I th I and how old were like you, Tom? By the way. Twenty-two, twenty-three. And do you mind me asking how much were you making at this point in life? So I know for a fact that the first year that I started my business, yeah. I brought in. No, no, like the, 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 oh, at this point you're talking about, you're talking about at this point you already had a piece of software developed. No. Okay. So you, we're still talking about the mastering. Yes. Okay. So in the first year of mastering, yeah. I had only about 600 pounds worth of mastering clients, which okay. of course was just yeah abysmal. <laughs> okay. So it, that's 600 pounds a month. No. Oh. For the entire year. It was Christ. a very, very slow start. Oh, wow. So here you are uh, making an, let's just say, an all right living, and you just throw yourself to a different country to find business. Correct, yeah. Christ, man. That's and, um, very and admirable. It, and I must have given my business card to about 150 people at that conference. Yeah. And one person came back and said, yes, I would like to have, I'd like to uh, do... I'd like to hire you to do some mastering. So yeah. that was great. And it was really encouraging. Yeah. Again, it was a very slow start. So uh -huh. so this is kind of how it began. And um, how do you think you closed that deal, by the way? Just, you know, like luck. luck. I, at this point, I was reading as many business books as well as I possibly could. So okay. so that was helping. And I was I was kind of honing that skill of being able to talk to people and move them and try to convince them to work with me, which is, you know, at, it's a learning curve that every business owner has to go through when what they're is? first. Learning how to sell yourself. Okay. Whether it's your service, your product, whatever it is, learning how to communicate with people in a way that moves them. Do you think that you had any of that as a, like, in during your upbringing? Like, do you, did you see that in, you know, maybe in a relative or your parents or, you know, uh, yeah, a family member, perhaps? I, my dad was a businessman. Okay. And... It, it was it was he taught me a little bit okay and there are th there are things that we have subsequently spoke about over the years that have been very helpful but at that time 
it didn't feel relevant because I kind of still wanted to be a drummer. And it, it, I didn't really see, I didn't understand at that point that regardless of what I wanted to do, I was, I had to be a salesman. Yeah. Because everybody has to be if they want to sell their services as a drummer or if a product or whatever. So you always knew that that was still a thing, regardless of how passionate you were for music. Um, did you do you feel that you always needed to sort of know how to present yourself as a person, as a professional? Or maybe not. This <laughs> is something that maybe you learn that later. <laughs> learn, learn along the way. Basically. Le learn, yeah. Okay. Fair so enough. yeah. Just it's something that we kind of like learn along the way, mm -hmm. and again, reading as much as you can about these kind of topics. Okay, makes when it did you start reading like about business and why? Well, um, I had a, a a friend who became a bit of a mentor. Okay, a friend of mine who he owned a club in London, and after my DJ sets, I would go and visit him in his club, and we'd sit in the VIP area and we'd talk about business. Okay. So he, do you think that he's a sort of a successful person that you looked up to? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. He, he was He was definitely way further down in his career than I was at the time. Okay. And, and he's gone on to be a very successful fashion designer now. Oh, wow. And Maybe we should get him in the halfway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so his advice to me, and we just went out for, 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 for dinner one night, and he said, Tom, read these five books, no. and then we'll talk. And I did. Yeah. And he was really impressed because he had given that advice to so many people and most people were like, oh, yeah, no, I'll read them. Yeah, cool. But I, I went and read them because I was really, I wanted to change my life. Yeah. I, I wanted to Why, get Tom? out of the rat race. I wanted to have as much freedom as possible. Okay. And have as much choice in life as possible. Okay. So it was never particularly about the Ferrari or the luxuries that, you know, money can bring, but more about that freedom that money can bring. Yeah. The, the, the more money that's come into my life the less i care about any of that stuff okay to be honest that's that's such like i'm yeah. looking for yeah. comfort freedom choice okay and quality so i mean i'm fascinated by your story honestly because it's such a mix of grit and luck at the same time you know which i'm um i'm very much a believer of like i do believe that luck is something that well, it's just luck, right? But I think that you can also make a little bit of that luck by be by putting yourself in all these different types of scenarios, you know? So here you are, you're hustling, you're DJing, and you meet this uh, club owner. Or did you, or did someone introduce that club owner to you? It was by an introduction, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But, I'm, you know, I think that, I'm sh I mean, I, I, I've known you for years, Tom, and you're such a good, like, you're such a warm person to speak to, you know. And I'm sure that, you know, like, you've you've worked on yourself, uh, on your personality, on how to present yourself. And do you not think that that basically, um, you know, gives comfort to people to be able to introduce you to other people? Do you do you see do you see what I mean? Possibly, yeah. yeah I mean. I think when you're introducing someone, it need, you, you want to be. Um, well, you want, you want to make sure that providing value for for both for the, the people that exactly. you're introducing. Exactly. And I guess your reputation is on the line if yeah. that's the case. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, you have to be introducible. I so here we are speaking about music tech, but like we're touching so many points about you know like your personality, about what you have to know, about all the people that you met. Um, incredible. Um, so anyway, so going back in time, uh, you you 
when did when did that aha moment started when you said i would like to develop a business that does software for the music industry it was that moment where so i did a i remember i did a campaign with a it was a linkedin group okay they had lots of music members what's a campaign by the way like just a like a think of it like a marketing campaign so okay. i said to the to this to the to the um, admin of this group i said i'd like to offer your community a complimentary master and that's that was an that was an amazing lesson for me because i was like okay i need to be able to reach more people in an easier way because going to miami only yielded me one customer so oh, i need to so so how how can i scale this okay so now we need to reach a lot of people so i did that and now i had a hundred people that wanted to do a complimentary free master with me and i was like okay this is great it's gonna be a lot of work crazy but i'm gonna go for it what can i get from this i can get perhaps a review people i can use their music for my portfolio yeah. and um, it's a bit of a an interesting thing here people talking about doing stuff for free to begin with for me it really opened the door for others you know they think it can devalue their offering which you know it does um so but it was essential for me to to yeah. better learn my craft yeah. and just make those introductions because now if I've got a hundred people that were really happy with my service, perhaps they'll recommend me, perhaps they'll use me again in the future. So that's what kind of kickstarted it for me. Okay. And uh, then moving on from there, so again, now I had this pool of a hundred people and I was understanding where they were going wrong with their music. So I was like, okay, if I can create a software product that can analyze where they're going wrong and help them fix it then actually at the time i thought maybe i can get more mastering clients because i can use it as like a loss leader give this for oh, free crazy. and people can then send me their music and i'll and i'll master their music so you were thinking about basically reducing the man hours that you were putting individually on every client and then you said how can i do that automatically mm -hmm. with 100 people yeah and a software, of course, is mm. is the way to go about that. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, what happened? So I go. I, I start looking online for just what? Googling how to make music software. Christ. Turns out it's ridiculously hard. So <laughs> I, I go I on bet. this forum um, for for music production um, for, for music software creators, and I I did, I did a job post, just a forum blog post. I said, I've got this idea. There's no money in it. Whoever works on this with me, you know, you'll own fifty percent of nothing, but you'll, but we'll work on it together, and it could be fun. Yeah. One person came back to me. Out of how many? No, no, just well, this, one. This, one person replied. Yeah. <laughs> one oh person God. replied, and we met, had a cup of tea, uh -huh. and we said, "All right, well, let's do it. Let's see what happens." Yeah. Six months into the project, we we're like, "Hey, this this thing is cool. This thing is good. Maybe we can charge for it." On the day that we release it we made a thousand pounds and we were God. like, oh, that's really encouraging. And the next day we made a thousand pounds and we were like, oh, this this could be something here. Yeah. And it just picked up momentum. It got loads of coverage in the press. And we said, how do you, let's I mean, do this again. Let's how, keep going. How did you get coverage in the press? Like how can someone, well, you know. Well, I was already well versed at reaching out and cold calling people. Okay. You know, I was used to it with the with the with trying to get people to use my mastering service. Of course, so I of reached course. out to loads of newspapers and loads, as in uh, music industry magazines yeah. and online. Of course, something like that. So I just said, I've got this. Would love you to talk. We had a really exciting design. 
Yeah. We worked really hard on the design and it really captures captured people's attention mm -hmm. and it solved a lot of problems. Yeah. There are a few elements of the actual product itself that made it very sticky. Okay. So, but let me get something right. Is it one software in Master in the Mix or is it multiple softwares? So that was one particular product. Okay. So it's one product. Okay. That, that was one product. And that solved one issue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I know what product what Sure. That, what so was the, that? the product was called Levels. And one of the things that music producers need to do is analyze their levels. Which is so, what, sorry. So we're looking at dynamic range, we're looking at peak, making sure things aren't, aren't over compressed, okay. making sure there aren't phase issues. So that relates to stereo width. So it's, it's just making sure that all the technical details of the audio are correct. But this is really frustrating for music producers because the existing solutions for that at the time were very complicated to understand and visually unexciting so i said i'm going to make something for you know an artist that doesn't care about any of the stuff he wants to they they want to stay in their creative zone and i want to keep them there so this product will only warn them if there is an issue otherwise no worries you keep going all good so it's you you were very um sort of like inclined to the you like the user experience from day one the yeah absolutely that's fascinating so instead of you basically creating a software where someone with technical knowledge would basically fix something you created a software for that not mega technical person where you would provide the a sort of like a, a alarm that says you do have an issue Yes, and then Insane. and then with the manual, we explain how to fix it themselves. Wow! So so that's that was the first product, and it was it was really successful. And <sighs> now we have we're going to be releasing our eighth product, and it's a it's a seven figure business. Wow! And how long have you been operating Master in the Mix? By the way, I think it's six years, six or seven years. Six or seven years since we released the first software product. Software product. Yeah. Okay, so there's a year and a half before that where I was trying to sell my mastering. <laughs> Oh, Christ, of yeah. course. So how old were you when you released your first product, by the way? I was 26. 26? Yeah. Quite young. How old are you now, Tom, by the way? 31. 31. Yeah. Wow. Such a, I mean... Sorry, five years we've been doing this. Five, yeah, five-ish yeah, five, five, five years. What was the hardest thing when you created this business? Like, I want to know, you know, how did you go about branding, logo, um, this forum that you talked about, how did you find that, by the way? Mm. Um, you know, like... I'm, oh. Well, there, I think what you what you kind of played into earlier, talking about luck, I mean, the okay. idea that one person would respond and that it would actually turn out to be a really good business relationship that lasts a long time. Are you still with the same engineer? Yes, same, same guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we've never had a problem. Okay. You know, it's just we get on so well... And he is exceptionally talented at what he does. So it was just that it was it was such a good match. And but equally, I like to use the word fortunate. We have okay. to be, we have to be quite careful between the word luck and the word fortunate. Okay. I was out there searching, and yeah. there you know you you can call it luck or, or being yeah. fortunate. Fortunate yeah. is when you're kind of I think if you're applying yourself and you're shooting for something, and some things just seem to go your way, then yeah. you were fortunate. 
Yeah. If you were playing the lottery and you win, it was luck. You, there was no skill, right. there was no energy or effort. So your perseverance, your insistence, your research, your this grit of having this dream to accomplish something, you just kept going about things, kept going about things, and eventually just stumbled upon like the solution that worked something that worked exactly that was the hardest bit i would say my um my wife was instrumental in actually keeping me going through this because in that first year i was like i'm just going to stop this and keep djing because it's too hard it's, yeah it's too much rejection it's too challenging i had so many reasons that i was giving myself to stop doing it wow. and she really encouraged me to keep going how did she encourage you Every time I said, should I just stop doing this? I just don't yeah. feel it. She's yeah. like, I think you're amazing at this. If you, you've, you've already given it so much energy mm. and you're onto something. Yeah. People like what you're doing. Yeah. And we, we don't know where this will go. Yeah. Uh, and she, she always said, you know, she was just very affirming and very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And was when she I the only... down, she'd lift me up. Wow. So... Yeah, I'm assuming that in this uh, journey that you've had, uh, it hasn't been all ups, right? I'm sure that you've been through plenty of downs. Totally. Uh, yeah. And and I think that um, um, you've 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 learned from them. You know, um, who did you surround yourself with? Um, like since since an early stage, did you surround yourself with you know like other entrepreneurs or other artists? Uh, maybe a mix of people. Uh, Like, do you, do you think that is influential and definitely helps in an, you know, in an entrepreneur's journey, per se? For me, I kept a very close eye on what all of my competitors were doing, and I was learning from that. Okay. I would also go to as many networking events as I could possibly go to, and okay. I met as many people as, as I could. And, and you were going there with that mentality. You were like, okay... I'm going to go learn from these people. I'm exactly. going to go on Facebook or meetup.com. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find music events and I'm just going to go there and shake hands and meet people. Yeah, absolutely. Christ. And I, yeah, I would go and meet those people and yeah. I would just have these conversations and I would learn about what's holding them back in their music productions. And I would then go back and think about how I could perhaps solve those problems. And, yeah. and I was also totally obsessed with reading. And I think that, you know, the advice I would give to any budding entrepreneur who's starting mm. a business is read all of the classic business books for example uh the ones that really changed my life would be the compound effect okay uh, in a nutshell that looks at doing little things very often to change your life whether it's dieting whether it's doing a little bit to to, to push you closer to that end goal yeah but just understanding that little and often is mm. is going to get you where you need to get to yeah Yeah. So that's, I guess, what it's yeah. persistence. So you were surrounding yourself with other um, sort of like hungry, um, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but members of, you know, networking communities that were hungry for success, were hungry for business, you know. I think that's crucial, you know. I think that, um, I mean, I'm, we, we all have, you know, friends of all kinds, I suppose. But it's it, I think it's crucial to always um, not be the smartest person in the room, you know. I really am. So that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I think it's, if, if you can make connections yeah. with those people and, and if you can offer something valuable to them as well, you know, because everyone has something to offer. Yeah, of course. So if, if, if you can also kind of be part of that, yeah. um, then 
you'll be more attractive to, to those kind of people. I wasn't, you know, I'd, I ended up just because of the nature of who I am and who and the kind of life I want to live. And it's, it's changed over the years as well, where okay. I used to be super obsessed with trying to pursue um, business success. Now I'm much, it's shifted. I'm much more focused on, okay, how does this business serve my life? Okay. What do I want? What does that mean in terms of how much I want to earn? And okay. that dictates how much I want to work. And actually the advice I got from you, which was the the running the business becomes a game of chess yeah. rather than the uphill struggle that it was in those first couple of years. Yeah. So it's it's riding the momentum, making sure you're making lots of little good decisions and yeah. having that compound effect over time. You don't need to make these dramatic ch at this point yeah you don't need to make those dramatic changes it's about making small smart moves small wins that's all get about you the in the right wins. direction yeah i you know um i i love the small wins and whenever i started my business um i always thought about that like a really long-term goal and i just wasted so much time thinking of it as opposed to now that i'm like okay i just need like a few small wins today and that will eventually compound into that bigger, bigger goal. You Absolutely. Know? Would you have done anything different? If you could go back in time and say, hmm, maybe the logo should have been red or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I eventually learned not to sweat about the small stuff. So okay. the logo, I, I did the someone, I paid someone 100 quid to do the logo for me when we when I first started the business. Yeah. You know, that's one of the first things most people think. Yeah, the logo. logo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the first things and I just kept it. Yeah. And people know about it now and it's like it's it's totally fine. But yeah. in, I would say the biggest lesson I learned from developing the various products was that my products have to solve a problem. Okay. Okay. Now that's that's super important. There was a product that I released. It was actually the fourth product. So I thought I was on this like I thought I was on a roll, could do no wrong, and we released a product that didn't quite solve a problem. Okay. And it didn't do as well. It this sold was maybe product 30, number four. Product number four. Okay. It sold like thirty to forty percent less than the others. And I looked at it and looked at it and I spoke to customers and I was trying to figure out where do we where do we go wrong with this? Because it's a big investment um, of about a year to right. create a product. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we, we got to, you know, sort this out for future products. So yeah. what went wrong? And it was the only product that didn't solve a problem. So now wow. that's become the mantra of the company. Mm. Like we solve problems. Yeah. And it's it's dictated and shaped every product since. And it will do. I don't think I would make another product in my life or mm. service that didn't solve someone's problem yeah. effectively. How do you scope that problem, though? Like, do you do you think like, OK, this is a problem that you're going to see in the entire industry in a particular niche of the industry like how do you how do you know like the problem is big enough or sure. yeah or small yeah. enough so yeah you well what we did was you know as we released more and more products i had more and more conversations with the customers okay so and i you know now we serve our specific customers okay are you usually in contact with your customers by the way yes so how I'm, many how many customers actually, do you have by the way so now we have about 100,000 customers. Wow, but that's insane, man. I do, so it's, it's us two, two guys. So I'm doing like the product development and the, um, the website, the business development, all that kind of okay. stuff. 
then my business partner, Nash, he is doing the coding exclusively. It's a very time-consuming job, so he has to be on that exclusively. He also does support, so when people have issues, he deals with them directly, and I deal with customer support, and a lot of mixing and mastering issues and questions that people have. So I'm super close with all of the customers, and we considered outsourcing it, but it would it would remove that that information and close touch that we have with the, you know, I'm getting, every time I have a conversation, there's a potential that a problem will unfold and I'll have to solve that. And it becomes a whole product idea. So we've we've kind of built the business to scale in a way that we'll be able to serve it as two people indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, Tell me about what a normal day for you would look like. Like, are you, uh, you know, are you a morning person? Did you like wake up and like read three books and like had like five coffees and then like, I don't know, like uh, worked like crazy hours or yeah, like what's, what was I started like that. Okay. I started like, okay. Get up at a certain time. Yep. Count the calories for the for the breakfast, all, all that wow. kind of stuff, and make sure you read for X amount of minutes, and make sure you get in. You know, when I when when I was first starting the business, yeah, you're doing you're working all day from when you wake yep. up to when you close your eyes to go to bed because you're so passionate about it. Yeah. And you know that no one else is going to do this for you. You've got to make your own path. Yeah. That changes, okay. and and I became a lot more flexible. Actually, there was a point where I stopped reading because I, I felt like the momentum in the business was was great, and I was I really took my foot off the gas. And now, when at, at which point did you said I've achieved financial freedom, financial independence? You know, you don't have to like specify like number numbers wise. You can say, for example, like I had ten thousand customers, or I had. Um, you know, three products that were working very well. That's the point. I was okay. gonna, that's actually what I was going to say. Yeah. So three products that were selling consistently. Okay. And I had a lot of uh, like a good regular income. And there was yeah. a moment where I think I waited until I had like 50 grand in the bank okay. to quit DJing. And wow. I actually didn't take any income from the business until it was generating at about double what I was making from yeah. DJing. I was so scared. Yeah. I was so scared that it was just temporary, that but it was going to end and that, you know, we run out of product ideas yeah. or customers would stop coming to the website. And I said, well, I'll just have to keep DJing after this. Okay. So you created this business. Um, you created the products. You released the products. People were um, buying these products. You reached out to, you know, magazines and newspapers in the music industry that most likely enabled uh, some traffic to come to your mm-hmm. website. Yeah. Um, you were not taking, you know, any money out of the out of your business. Why? Like, were you reinvesting in marketing or really. were you hiring people? Nope. Like, none of that. How were you I, doing? It was fear. It was fear that the money was going to stop coming in. Okay. And, and I was at the time I was thinking, you know. I was in a I was in a, a serious relationship yeah. with the love of my life and I knew I was going to marry her so I was like this is kind of like this is an opportunity to save some money maybe put a deposit for a house yeah. and so this Fair fear play. of of running out of money yeah, is something course. that I had to eventually overcome yeah but I basically yeah. stockpiled it I didn't really reinvest yeah so the business grew very slowly because of that okay uh, I didn't invest in any advertising until the last couple of years so 
so we already had five or six products by the time I started doing any kind of advertising. But how did you market yourself? So I did a lot of blogging, okay. collecting emails, okay. and then word of mouth. Okay. So it was it was very slow and steady. Wait, hold on. So you said blogging, collecting emails, and word of mouth. So blogging, what were you blogging about? Mastering. Music production. Music production. Yeah. Okay. And then people would basically uh, comment on your blog. Well, I read a book about SEO. Okay. And I understood as much as I possibly could about SEO before okay. I started blogging. And, and that really helped me set the foundations for blogging, let's say, correctly. It's such a saturated market now that it would be very difficult to do what I did then, okay. now, and make any kind of noise. Was it the blog of the Mastering the Mix website? Yes. So you basically were finding, um, I'm assuming, like, keywords that had a lot of traffic and you were writing it wasn't that sophisticated okay but but you can use tools now that do find the keywords okay fair but enough at the time i was just like keywords mixing that's one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay it was very very basic and quite primitive but okay. it seemed to it seemed to work there were it a seemed few to work that i created that had a few that, hits that like a few hits yeah exactly yeah, 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 yeah and brought a lot of traffic and still do now so we a lot of that stuff stuff we continue social media um, mm. Freely giving out information, creating free ebooks, all of that stuff. You still do that. It works. Yeah, we still yeah. do it. So, yeah, you know, like helping the community, like altruistically, I think that genuinely, like, brings like natural traffic. You know, because you just you just want to help, and people Definitely. are very appreciative of that. You know, I think that that's super important yeah. to always do that. As if I was doing any business, that would. That would be one of the core values is basically giving amazing, super valuable, hopefully the best on the Internet, the yeah. best information that you could possibly give them freely is a great way to start a relationship with that person, mm. help them trust you. And, you know, it sounds like a perfect like uh, business model that you have going on. You you know, firsthand help your customers out of a massive database that you currently have. You, um, you know, write to them about, you know, helpful um, information that they'll need at some point in their uh, career. Um, and you were always very careful about the user experience. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that other competitors were maybe clunkier or more boring or more gray, you know, and maybe you envision, uh, you know, like a more, um, a more enjoyable experience in your softwares. Is that correct? Totally. Okay. Yeah. There was a book that I read called Hooked. Hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Near, near, yeah. 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 I read that. Fascinating quite, book. Yeah, yeah. I read that quite early on and there were, I, I, I realized that, that kind of user experience and and making people want to use the software was very important. Yeah. So that I was reading those kind of books as well to help drive the product development and make sh making sure that I was making the right decisions. Okay. Um, so when you developed the software, how did you knew that people were, I mean, as aside from sales, of course, like did you use like any data analytics or did you, you know, again, like, um, cold emailed your customers and said hey how's your experience is there anything you'd like to change like how how did mastering the mix and these products evolved 
we set up so uh, again because we're just a small team yeah. setting up as much automation as possible was essential okay and as part of that as part of the kind of um, conversation that we had through email and giving out blogs and stuff yeah. we would also ask for reviews following a purchase okay and that we had a ton of great reviews but okay. then of course we get the reviews where people are like oh, you know i wish it did this or perhaps it could do that yeah and that leads on to different versions of the product okay so you know you release version one and yeah people say oh this is great but i want xyz yeah okay so version 1.2 has x y and z as well okay and Fair when enough. we solve those problems and so the the products develop like that over time and you have you know thousands of conversations like that with various customers and you really get to uh you really start to understand the broad picture of what people are really looking for. Mm. So that's kind of you know experience over over many years now. I mean, yeah. it's just a, it's a handful of years, but all yeah. those conversations have really helped me steer how I now create products. And how many how many are you in you know at the master in the mix? So it's just it's two of us. Okay. So it's myself and my business partner Nash. Yeah. And he's doing all the coding, and I'm doing the business business development. Okay. And managing so, and talking to customers. Yeah. And so it's pretty automated also, still. But we also hire a lot of uh, freelancers. So, for okay. example, we have someone doing our ads now. We have a lot of content creators, interesting uh, accountants. You know, people doing the various things that you can outsource fairly easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. If you if you were a you know a starting entrepreneur right now, um, what would you want to have that you didn't have before? You know, what kind of resources or just anything on top of your mind that you would uh you would have that you think would help the current um you know entrepreneurial environment i'm a big believer of proof of concept so okay. and i actually don't think you need that many resources for proof, proof of concept if you're going to start a business you know when we have these ideas and i'm i'm 100 guilty of this i've had these ideas where i'm like this is great i think this is a great idea and i think it's i think it's going to be super successful yeah so we, we we can become quite infatuated with our ideas and back them without any proof of concept yeah so the the thing that i do now before i even make a product or before i start a new business or whatever is okay i'll lay out the kind of wireframe of what the business or pro or, or product might be And I will sit down with people one-on-one -on -one with potential customers and say, here's what I want to do. What do you think of this? Do you, would you buy this? And I, you know, I, and we go through that process. And one of the best things you can do is actually ask someone to pay for it. Like if I'm trying, if I'm making the best mug ever and I say, here's a mug, do you like it? Will you give me five pounds for it? Yeah. If someone goes, oh my goodness, you've done something crazy with that mug. Yeah. And and I would be glad to give you five pounds. Yeah. Then you go, okay, maybe I'm onto something. And if you can do that with 10 people, great. The worst thing you can do is build the website, spend loads of money manufacturing a ton of mugs. Go, hey, yeah. I've got a great idea. Yeah. But you never spoke to any customers. Yeah. And now you try to sell it and people go, mm, I don't need that. Mm, yeah, I agree. You know, I think that a lot of it is fear of someone stealing your idea. That's always out totally. there in the startup world. Yeah. You know, you're always like, Can you sign this NDA? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, know, I've, been, I, I've been there so many times. I yeah. um, that's happened to me. So I had yeah. a I had a business concept. It was file sharing for music producers. Yeah, and I had a conversation with someone 
because he had a network of music producers that owned studios. So it was like, it was the perfect combination. And I said, look, I've made this thing. Would love to collaborate with you on it. And he was like, uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> didn't hear from him. A year and a half later, he built his own. No way. Yeah, and, and I think that happens. Yeah, that right? happens. Definitely. It happens. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. actually, although I was a bit upset, it's quite yeah. flattering, frankly, that he yeah. the idea was so good that he invested a year and a half mm. of his time. Yeah. And In um, the end, it's always about execution, isn't it? Execution yeah. is everything. It's everything. Because I'm sure that though his idea was very similar to yours, um, you probably executed that idea quite differently. We executed it differently. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And... Um, And in terms of now, mm -hmm. there is there's nothing you can do to really protect those ideas from a legal from a. Well, there's a few things you can do, but yeah. if you want to have an open conversation with someone about yeah. some kind of concept or whatever, really, anyone can do whatever they want. So yeah, so I'm quite free with yeah. product concepts. And again, because you say execution is everything. Maybe yeah. you hold back a little thing here and there so yeah. that they don't have all of the information. But I'm very open and I say, this is what I want to do. Um, frankly, if someone really wants, there's quite a big barrier for entry yeah. with software because yeah. it does take, it takes a lot of investment and a lot of time to actually yeah. create them. So it's, a, so it's very challenging for someone to actually go ahead and then to market the product. I mean, you have to have a, you have to have a user base and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, Tell me about the, I mean, if there was any, of course, but tell me about the lowest point in your, you know, like business journey. Did, where, where, was there any point where, you know, maybe uh, it was an extremely low season and you were, you know, you were, you were just feeling a, a little bit defeat? And how, and how did you come out of that? Mm. Interesting. I think that this always ties in with personal circumstances. Okay. So for me, there was a moment where we were, my wife and I were buying a flat. Okay. And we decided to pour all of our resources into the down payment because we knew that it would be a good financial decision to lower the interest rate. And so that was having had the deposit saved for a long time. Yeah. There was, that was always a nice big cushion for us. Yeah. And then you see that, that in the bank, you're like, yeah, I can escape to a Caribbean island and that's it. So <laughs> exactly, <is> exactly. <laughs> so so it was more the personal circumstances of pushing everything into, a, let's say, a project or a house yeah. or a business, or whatever, and seeing your safety blanket go. Yeah. And that changes the perspective on everything. So mm. now now where I was quite relaxed watching the sales come in, you know, I could say, If, if I have low sales in the next two months, I can still pay myself because I have this safety blanket. Take that away and you're watching every single sale come in. Yeah. And, and if you felt like you had a slow day, it becomes a problem. Yeah. So I, I hated this. Yes. And I overcame it by, I, well, thankfully, the uh, uh, enough sales came through to basically ride through this. It was a personal, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a personal financial decision that we had made yeah. that was that was a little bit out of our comfort zone okay and i decided that for me personally i wanted to keep um, six months worth of salary mm. in the business at all times so that i would never have that kind of moment of fear again because if yeah. you're operating a business emotionally on fear i have to do a sale now because yeah. otherwise i'm not going to have enough money No, because if, if you do that, you might devalue the company's uh, reputation or whatever. So 
I wanted to have enough money to negate the need to make those knee-jerk decisions that could be detrimental for the company. Wow. Um, when was that point or where you said, like, I made it, this is it? And what did that moment look like? Like, was it, you know, um, was it was it a certain amount of money that made you think that you that you made it? Was it, you know, your personal affairs being in order, plus the money, plus the company? Like, yeah. So I never had that moment with business. Okay. I had that moment when I had my daughter. So wow. when when she came along, that was I was like, well, this is this is the reason why I do everything. She's so wonderful and she brings so much joy. And that is the only thing in life. One of the only things getting married and having and having my daughter yeah. was one of those only things that felt conclusive. With a business, you can always grow it and you can always have more. And it's often never enough. Yeah. Uh, so and that's kind of that's just human. Yeah. So when I thankfully with the with the business i'm very flexible with my time and i'm very free with finances yep and we still have aspirations you know <laughs> we, we want to keep pushing but i feel very content because i have my family and that's the focus yeah so now as you know uh this uh, the podcast is called halfway because i wanted to catch you halfway through your success ah. what is that other half tom like the other half looks like, you know, a bunch of more products in uh, in uh, in the master in the mix. Is it more companies? Is it still in music? Like, maybe maybe you have a dream I've never heard of. You yeah. know, that is in so another it, industry. The question is, what's next? Yeah. What what was it look like in ten years? So, I had started a couple more companies in my twenties, and they weren't as successful as my as master in the mix. Okay. And so that led me to the decision that I wanted to just focus solely on mastering the mix and push that in one direction and get it as successful as I possibly could. I I am not sure if I will either sell it or just continue it as long as I possibly can. Um, as long as I'm happy and it still gives me the free time that I have, I'll, I'll just I'll hold on to it, I think. Because yeah. I, I ran yeah. the numbers and selling it and putting the money into real estate, it could just be more hassle and it yeah. might not be as profitable. So I will I will reevaluate that probably on an annual basis and just make sure that I am... And you doing, do that, by the way. Like every, I do that every, every, every year, year or so. I have a look at the numbers and I have a look at, you know, is this, is this the best situation for me? Mm. Um, I know that how, like my lifestyle right now is, is how I want to continue. So I okay. want to be very present in my daughter's life. I want to have as much time yeah. as I choose yeah. for to spend time with family and friends. How many hours do you spend in the business on a daily basis? I would say it depends. Okay. But an average week yeah. would be possibly two or three hours per day. Okay. Wow. So yeah, the baby naps and uh, <laughs> and and I'll do a bit of work. So it's super automated. Like every yeah, every single year that passed in mastering the mix, you aimed more to automate this business basically and make it run almost by itself to yeah. a certain extent. Of yeah, course. totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, there, there yeah. are there are touch points where I need to get involved. Yeah, but again, it comes down to personal aspirations. You know, there are people 
there are other companies in my sector that are wildly more successful. Mm-hmm. They require a lot more employees. They require a lot more work. Yeah. And um, and I personally wanted to find that right balance between personal life and professional life. And, yeah. And enjoyment in what I do, and you know, not getting, not being a workaholic that of is course. completely tied to it. Mm. So anyway, yeah. There's. Um, I want it to continue to kind of serve my life. And I'm, yeah. I'm quite careful about that now. I That's can, great. There are, there are times where we do need to push. Like mm. if we're releasing a new product, only happens yeah. once you have to put in the hours. Yeah, you do have to put in the extra time. Yeah. And, but it's worth it because it, plays, it pays dividends over years. Of course, years of course. So set it up once, yeah. let it pay you forever. and Suffer now, enjoy later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification, yeah. Um, what advice would you give to any of our listeners, Tom? I mean, in today's world, you know, we have so many things going on. We have, you know, uh, instant gratification. We have the media uh, trying to sell us what success look like looks like. Um, to those entrepreneurs that are listening to us now, what would you say to them? Have a good think about what it is that actually fulfills you and makes you happy try to zone in on that and and make it your focus because you can get a lot of gratification from work and that's great and fulfillment from work and that's fine um perhaps you want more freedom perhaps you want a certain type of lifestyle but it's really important to define these things so what is it that makes you happy and fulfilled Okay, once you have that definition, you can take a step back and say, well, okay, what am I going to do to make that a reality? Yeah. And if that means sacrifices where you're, well, perhaps you enjoy it so much it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. And that's, if you're working on something that you feel so passionately about, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice or a chore or, or, you know. So find your goals and define them. Because without that, you're aimlessly shooting around without any direction and you will not achieve what you want to achieve. Absolutely. And you can also overshoot things as well. If if your sole purpose is to make an extraordinary amount of money, then what for? What what do you really want all of that money for? Yeah. What's that north that you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Otherwise, you're endlessly chasing... You're chasing something that is so, uh, it just doesn't exist. And so there's no pat on the back when you yeah. even get halfway there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Tom, just um, just to conclude our conversation, um, let's talk about mental health. I think this is a subject that obviously is very popular amongst entrepreneurs. Um, you know, um, you read about that being an entrepreneur, it's a very lonely uh, career path. Um, how do you manage your mental health, by the way? Mental health is something that I have struggled with okay. over time. And I've had counseling. And I have counseling probably every six months or so. Okay. And the thing with your mental state is that the way I like to see it now is it's like a garden. And the garden, if unkept, can become overgrown with weeds. Yeah. So I, as an individual, have to know how to how to fix my garden. Yeah, nurture so it. How, what do I need to do for me to keep myself in check? 
And the things that have really worked for me is being grateful. Okay. Be, uh, actually vocalizing the things that I'm grateful for. When, you, when, when you're on the lookout, it's like a muscle. When you're on the lookout for things that you're grateful for, okay. you get such a positive mental attitude. That's really helped for me. Mm. Also doing things that genuinely fulfill me. Yeah. Exercising, eating well, and yeah. uh, meditation, reading. Yeah. All of these things, they do take time. Yeah. So, so good mental health, it's not something that you can just wake up one day and say, well, today I feel great. And tomorrow, no. It's something that you have to I mean, nurture. It can be like that for some people. Yeah. Some people that suffer from depression, it, it can't, when, it's, when it's clinical in that sense, yeah. it can be that challenging. Yeah. And, but then um, it's also something that you have to you know, help yourself a lot to achieve, you know, yeah, nurture every day. You, you do have to do things. It's, it's, a, it's a constant battle. Mm. And sometimes you do need the external help. And I would say that anyone that even has, you know, little niggles in the back of their head that, that bother them from time to time, seek help because yeah. it's, it's so, there's nothing shameful about it. I know there are some, there's some stigma around it. Um, oh, for usually sure. with, with, the older generations now yeah all of my friends have had therapy therapy and stuff or whatever, so yeah yeah and we talk about it very openly and mm. i'm always happy to talk about it openly because yeah, me too life is up life is up and down yeah even yeah. when everything can look absolutely rosy there might be some internal turmoil and you there are things you have to deal with so paying attention to it and making sure that your you know your garden is as free of weeds as you can possibly make it um, How often do you great. check yourself in, in this sense, Tom? Daily? Uh, weekly? I mean, is it just spontaneous? You know? Yeah, I would say it's spontaneous. Mm. For, for me, unfortunately, what seems to happen is I go through cycles. Mm. I go through cycles of feeling great yeah. and getting complacent. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. when I drop some of my better habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eating too much chocolate, I imagine. It's exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's basically those things. Can, and, they, and they can spiral because, you know, it starts with having let's say you, you have you know five bad things that happen yeah, during the day and definitely. it sends you on a bit of a downward spiral so you go oh you know i'm just gonna have some chocolate <laughs> and now i feel even worse yeah, exactly. um there's nothing wrong with having chocolate yeah definitely but, definitely, but, yeah, it's, yeah. but, but if, not too much of it but if you're like excessively going for it and two tony bars and then it makes you feel <laughs> even worse then that's that's down a downward spiral and so you yeah. just want to be very careful things like journaling can help you check in to see you know, it, are you on an upward spiral or a downward spiral? Are yeah. you maintaining your mental health? So, you know, these things can be helpful. But I still cool. have I still have a lot to learn in the in the um, area of mental health, and I, I it's something that it's it dictates like how you are as a person and yeah. how much enjoyment you can have doing yeah. something. Yeah. So, and we all want to. I'm sure we all want to kind of get to that childish playful freedom where we didn't have a worry in the world and absolutely and, and we just enjoy things thoroughly and are very present yeah we don't have all the worries of the mortgage and health issues and all these different things so it's yeah it's something that we have to keep a very close eye on mm -hmm. tom i can't thank you enough for your time today you've been great um i'm sure that all of our listeners will be so happy to listen to your story and i hope that we can chat again in a year's time or something like that tom frampton from master in the mix everyone gonzalo thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> thank you mate wow 303 
Oh shit. Yeah. Like one hour exactly. Wow, these trousers. And by the way, you're giving me cold chills. Oh my god, you're joking. 